0: Well, I found her out in Baltimore, she never tried to show me the door, she said, stay with me tonight, I said, you sure you want another round, This when she doubled down, she said, this is the last
1: dance, you better treat me right. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, Rob Port, here on WDAY. This is the Rob Report, which you can join at 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. That's the toll-free number. Email talk at WDAY.com or hey, send me a tweet at Rob Port. Good afternoon, Attil. How are you? Pretty darn good. How are you today, Rob? I'm doing all right. The Major League Baseball and the Players Association just announced a rule change for the 2017 season, and they're not... It's a lot of stuff about the the review process. You know, baseball's got instant replay now, which I like. Uh, And they're doing some some changes with that to kind of speed up that process, which I think is good. But they're also, because baseball's big effort is to shorten the games, right? I mean, people...
2: (laughs) Because attention spans aren't 70 hours.
1: Right. They take a long time. You know, the games get a little long sometimes. And I I get that's not for everybody. And I I, I like the idea of speeding up the game. But one thing that they, they announced is... They're not going to actually throw the pitches for intentional walks anymore. Like when uh, you know, s- sometimes a manager will decide you know in a certain situation they don't want to they don't want to pitch to a guy they don't want to give him a chance to hit, so they'll walk them intentionally, thinking that they have a better chance of getting the person behind them out. Yeah, uh, it's it's strategy, and typically you know in the past what'll happen is the catcher will put his arm out, and then the pitcher will throw four pitches you know way outside, and then they'll walk them, and they're not going to throw those pitches anymore. And you may not think it's a big deal, except that every once in a while the pitcher screws up. I, I remember last year Gary Sanchez, who is the uh, the the rookie catcher for the the Yankees, they were, they were trying to intentionally walk him, and they got one too close to the plate, and he hit it anyway and ended up hitting a sacrifice fly. Uh, there have been players who have hit home runs uh, off, off intentional walk pitches that got too close to the plate. Sometimes the pitcher will totally screw up and throw it like back to the wall and and the runners will advance. So I don't like it, but as with most things, I tend to be a conservative. So I don't know. Changes, changes, surprise, surprise, (laughs) changes. Rob doesn't like change. I'm not against all types of change. It's just sometimes change for the sake of change. I I don't know. I, I don't know how much time this is honestly gonna, there's what, maybe one intentional walk per game. On average, if that.
2: Yeah, it's probably not gonna save you a whole lot of time.
1: No. No. Anyway. I didn't we didn't we're not gonna talk about baseball today. Our congressman Kevin Kramer, after he was on with us, uh there ended up being some news breaking from a radio interview he had done earlier in the day. Maybe you heard about it, Natil.
2: You know, I think I did. I think made- I heard about it a little bit.
1: He made some comments about uh, the way a group of Democratic women were, were dressed. Uh, they dressed in white, I guess, to signify that the President Donald Trump white, which is, you know, the, the color of the, the suffragist movement. Uh, and they dressed that way to, to tell President Trump that they were going to stand up for women's rights, because I guess President Trump was going to like deny women the right to vote or something. I don't know. Uh, Representative Kramer said that he thought they looked silly uh, and now everybody's flipping out about it, and I'm finding myself not caring even a little bit. And the reason why is because it was absolutely a silly stunt. Uh, it was a group of politicians grandstanding, uh, making, frankly, what is probably a mean-spirited point about Donald Trump. And, you know, that's fine. That's politics or whatever. But to start whining and to play the victim because A congressman said, you look silly. Fine. Well, Well, give me a break.
2: It seems like he did more than just say they looked silly. He used the word diseased. Well, yeah, let me let
1: me read the full comment here. I I, I should have pulled it up because you're right. We should we should read the whole thing. Just a minute. I'm waiting for my browser to load here. All right, here we go. Uh, He said uh, and, and he was he was in it was a talk radio town hall, sort of like what he holds on this show. And he was in the midst of talking, and and I guess he sort of went off, and and he asked rhetorically, but by the way, did you notice how poorly several of them were dressed as well? Uh, He was referring to, of course, the Democratic uh, women wearing white. He went on, he said, it is a syndrome, there is no question, there is a disease associated with the notion that a bunch of women uh, would wear bad-looking white pantsuits in solidarity with Hillary Clinton to celebrate her loss. You cannot get that weird. The disease thing, you know, I don't know, I don't know where he was going with that. You know, I I don't know if he's maybe it was akin to saying, "Ah, there's something in the water" or something like that. I don't know. I'm not here to to speak for Congressman Kevin Kramer. He can speak for himself. I'm just having a hard time caring. I mean, we live in a world right now where, I mean, the Democrats spent an entire election cycle telling Republicans, including Republican women. That they were fighting a war on women because of things like thinking maybe birth control shouldn't be an entitlement, uh, maybe women should pay for their own tampons. I mean, it's. I mean, listen. I grew up in a household with with four sisters. I got two daughters. I've been around women my whole life, and I, I'm just sort of tired of this thing where it's like, wow, you can't say anything. Negative about I mean, it, what what it seems like to me is it seems like one side, female politicians, they want to play hardball and they want to be able to say that pro-life people are denying women their rights. and they want to say all these really harsh things about people who disagree with sort of the left wing feminist vision policy platform. and they want to be able to play that game and they want to get down in the mud and they want to play hardball, which is fine. That's politics. But then you say that they dress silly, And now they're victims. And I don't get why they get to have it both ways. You know, you could go out and and you're going to play hardball and you're going to talk tough about male politicians. You're going to talk tough about Republicans. You're going to talk tough about all the people that disagree with you. And you're going to get out there and you're going to throw mud and you're going to say some pretty outrageous things up to and including President Trump's going to deny women their rights and then somebody says you dress silly and now all of a sudden, oh, that's that's across the line. Well, Can't say that.
2: Can, can you understand why it seems different, though, because no, let me let me try to explain it to you then. All right. When these female politicians are playing hardball, they're attacking in general, it seems big issues. Now, are they blowing those issues out of proportion? Probably sometimes. Yes, sometimes, I would say definitely right, sometimes. Yeah. Yes. What gets turned around at them are not attacks on issues but attacks on their personage, attacks on their appearance, attacks on their fashion sense. And and that becomes sort of belittling because it, it tends to perpetuate the idea that they can only be made fun of for superficial things. And that's I
1: saw dozens of people attacking Congressman Kramer personally on social media last night and I didn't even spend that much time on it.
2: Well, and the attacks against him in personally also shouldn't be happening, don't get me wrong there. Yeah. But when when Congressman Kramer or anyone else for that matter attacks a female politician based on her fashion sense, that's that's
1: belittling. That's wrong. But give me a break. We wouldn't. We wouldn't treat it the same way if he had said that about what Chuck Schumer was wearing. I know,
2: but would you ever hear anyone say something about what Chuck Schumer was wearing? Maybe. I don't know. Like the only the only male politician that I've heard anything about what he's wearing is Doug Burgum in my entire life.
1: I don't know. Maybe. I, listen. They dressed in white on purpose. They definitely and,
2: did, and they were definitely trying to make a statement. And they were
1: trying to make a statement. And Congressman Kramer said they look silly.
2: And, I, and I also said that they that they appear that they have some sort of syndrome or disease. Yeah. It, it, I I cannot I cannot in good faith defend Congressman Kramer's statements on either of those. I was
1: surprised he made them, and, and, and I don't. I don't like that he said them. And, and maybe next time I'll make this point to him because I. I feel like he's kind of trying to do like a Trump impersonation. I, I feel like he's you know thinking, oh, you know, it works for Trump. You know, maybe I'll try it. It seemed out of character for Kramer. And 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 don't get me wrong, Kramer's got a black belt in political pugilism, right? He knows how to. He knows how the back and forth works, and he's not afraid of it. Um, he he typically doesn't go to the personal type stuff, right? Usually it's all sort of policy and in the arena type stuff.
2: I, I would agree. That with was you.
1: a, that was a little more personal. It seemed out of character for him. I was surprised he did it. But on the other hand, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I mean, Donald Trump gets called an, an orange tangerine like every day. Right. I mean, which you, is you another th-
2: one of those things that I think shouldn't be happening.
1: <laughs> yeah. And like uh, M- Melania Trump, right? I mean, some of the stuff that she's wore, she gets attacked for that kind of stuff. I mean, Politics is a nasty business, and, and I don't really like any of that stuff. I think it's distracting. It's just, I guess it just kind of comes with the territory. What I don't understand is when we treat it as, like, special, where it's like, well, it was a Republican man and Democratic women, and now these women are victims. We treat it differently. We treat that differently, and I don't think we should. They're a bunch of big girls. They're a bunch of professional politicians. They, w- they chose to be in this arena uh, they're not shy about throwing some elbows of their own. Toughen up and deal with it. Who cares?
2: It definitely shouldn't be treated differently. If it was Heidi Heitkamp saying something about a, the male senator from Louisiana, which she has, what's...
1: by the way, there was an article she did shortly after getting elected with USA Today, where she was talking about how women are better at policymaking because they drill right down to the issues, and you know, as opposed to these men who, right? She, she said, I, "I should look up the comments," but she said comments like that. And about she got their, away about with their
2: it. appearance. though, Not about their appearance, that's but about their. But, hey,
1: but I'm it's not different. If I sat here and said, well, female legislators are too busy uh, sniping at each other or whatever and, and belittled their ability to make policy. I'd be called a sexist. But he, saying that about men, that's OK. I would listen. Well, we, we shouldn't be attacking anybody personally. What yes. I'm saying is what I am saying is there is a double standard. And we're seeing it at play here with the Kramer thing. I don't necessarily like what Kramer said, but it's being treated as a double standard, and I think that's stupid. Let's let's take this break. We we'll, we can discuss it more after this. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back after this. I'll go away. You gotta
0: shine bullies like you better.
1: Port, WDAY, 701 888 970 email talk at WDAY.com. Tweet me too, at Rob Port, speaking of emails, got one from Roger, he says, uh, this is supposed to be a conservative show, maybe you can have the young lady on the board, keep her liberal opinions saved for the Sandy Buttweiler show, hey, I invite, I talk with the tea all the time because I think she adds value to the show, I think she's interesting to talk to, I think her viewpoint's... Are welcome here. I'm a conservative guy and this is my show, but I'm not interested in the show, whether it's the blog, whether it's the show. I'm not interested in echo chamber. I don't want to sit here and just have it just be a bunch of conservatives talking to one another. We want to discuss. We need to engage with one another. That's what's that's a big part of what's wrong with this country right now is we're afraid to talk one another. So Natil, chime in whenever the hell you want. Thank you all right uh let's see tony uh said to a message on facebook uh, remind your producer on the t- attacks on donald trump tanning and hair and how they uh attacked melania on what she was wearing which which is the point i made you know and again i think that just kind of speaks to the double standard like we're, we're okay with dragging trump through the mud for his appearances and his hair and dragging melania through the mud i mean there was a New York Times produce, uh, reporter, I guess, who was at some fashion show telling people that Melania was a was a hooker, uh, you know, that made headlines. I mean, that, that stuff, It and, and granted, he got called out for that, but a lot of the stuff with Trump and everything, I'm telling you, it's a double standard, and, right, I, and that's again, what I'm talking again, about. Again,
2: personally, I don't think that Donald Trump should be being attacked for the color of his skin, what he does with his hair, or the fact, right. or how long his tie is. Just shut up and deal with his policies.
1: Right. I, I agree, and- I, I got to say, as a conservative, though, I can't tell you how many times I hear, uh, you know, you're a white male. You know, you've got privilege. You need to check your privilege. You can't talk about this. You know, you don't know what you're talking about. So I'm I am routinely and I'm not I'm not I am not claiming victim status here at all. I'm in the arena. I, you know, bring it on. I have no problem with any of it. But I'm, I see people telling me that all the time because of my skin color, because of my gender or whatever. They belittle my point of view. And it's just like that's just sort of accepted. That's okay on the, on the left. We see it all the time, the check your privilege stuff. Um, you know, that's, I, I don't know. Uh, let's see, we got a caller, Susan. What's up, Susan?
2: Hi. Okay. We all need to admit these ladies wanted to make a point. They did yep. it, whether it was positive or whether it was negative. They wished to be noticed. They were sure. noticed. And it's Kramer on every talk show. It's on every Instagram. It's on Facebook. It's everywhere. And whether you're conservative or liberal, it's being talked about in either a positive light or a negative light. And that's sure. what you want.
1: mission accomplished, I guess. Yeah, I you know yeah. I mean, I guess they got what they wanted. We're all we're all chatting about it, and you know people can uh, people can feel how they want to feel about how they dressed or whatever, and. And again, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have said what Kramer said. I, I think him saying they look silly was fine. I don't know where he was going with the diseased or the syndrome thing. You know, it's it's hard for me. And I haven't been able to track down the actual audio of that either. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it sounded different in context. Sometimes reading something as a pure pose, when, when you're speaking contemporaneously on the radio, reading a transcript can sometimes give you a much different impression than than hearing it live. But I, I don't know I, I don't know where he was going with that he could certainly defend himself on that all i'm saying is there is a double standard when it comes to being critical of women in politics and it's unfortunate and i and, and frankly i don't think it helps women at all i you know I, you you want to come in you want to play on an even playing field you can't go go you know play in the victim when somebody plays a little hardball with you
2: well and i i agree with you there i don't think that I don't like the, the notion that women have to be treated like some sort of precious, delicate flower and that any attacks against them immediately become, you know, oh, well, you're being such a, a, a big, angry, evil man because you're attacking this poor woman. That, that's not helpful in any way, shape or form. But at the same time, I wish that the attacks that happen in politics in general could stop being so petty because yeah. what does it matter if Donald Trump's tie is is longer than standardized? Or, or what
1: Melania wh- Trump wears exactly. or what, whatever. Yeah. How
2: is that in any way affecting your life as it is right now? When we, what yeah. actually is probably going to be affecting your life are the reveals of this new health care policy. Or whether or not Jeff Sessions had any ties to Russia during the... Uh, the Trump campaign, sure. like there, there are real issues in our world right now that don't have anything to do with who Melania wore to the inauguration.
1: Right, or or honestly, even what like celebrities say about Donald Trump at like the Oscars, right? Uh, even a lot of that stuff gets far more attention than it's really worth in terms of news value. Um, but again, I, there's an appetite for this out in the public. Uh, you know, we 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 could, I mean, everybody will blame the media for it. But the media is serving a demand. There's a demand, I guess, for in-depth analysis on what the First Lady wears. And, uh, frankly, critics of the Obama administration did it to Michelle Obama. I remember people talking about her dresses and what she was wearing. And I, it, it's we do this stuff, and we end up talking about all the stuff that doesn't matter all that much. Uh, you know, Congressman Kramer said some things about what they were wearing. Fine, let's all move on and talk about stuff that really matters. But, you know, we can't. and. Some see it, it's an opportunity, I guess, to fire people up and, and to get everybody typing away on Facebook. I don't know. I don't think we're going to resolve it between you and me, though, Nathiel. That's for sure.
2: Probably not. It's going to take more than you and I agreeing on one thing <laughs> to change the world, Rob.
1: Yeah, yeah. we could try, though. All right. Uh, Insurance Commissioner John Godfrey's coming up next. We're going to talk about real policy, the debate over Obamacare and what the implications might be. For the state of North Dakota, Mr. Godfrey, of course, is our insurance commissioner. We'll be back with him right after this. So go away. Can buy
0: me love, love, can buy me love. I'll buy you a diamond ring, my friend, if it makes you feel all right.
1: I'll get you anything, my friend, if it makes you feel alright. Cause I don't care too much for money. Welcome for money back, Rob Port. 701-29390-8889-709329. Email talk at I mean, WDAY We're uh having a little bit of trouble getting the insurance commissioner to teal. Yep, I had to leave a message. I'm hoping
2: I will be able to get a hold of them here on my second try.
1: Well, they, they literally tweeted out the interview this morning, so I don't know. They are I guess aware we'll,
2: that it exists.
1: <laughs> they are aware that this is happening, so hopefully we'll get them on here in a moment. Um, I was just, I, I wanted to talk about Commissioner Gottfried. He had sent out a press release. Obviously, President Trump, during his address to the joint session of Congress, uh, referenced health care a great deal. He set out some things, and Commissioner Gottfried said he agreed with them, and I I guess I wanted to talk about how some of these broad policy statements might boil down into real-world policy and how that might start impacting North Dakotans, and I don't know how many answers we're even going to get on that. It seems like the future is really unclear for health policy in America, and and some of the things I want to talk about, I mean, it almost seems like a lot of what's driving the high costs of health insurance is the cost of health care, right? The thing that the insurance is paying for. Insurance keeps going through the roof because the cost of care keeps going through the roof. Are there things we can do to keep in check the cost of, of care? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. And, and the problem is the two is interwoven because you could argue, well, the cost of care drives the cost of insurance. But then the reality of insurance drives the cost of care because everybody sort of has this expectation, well, I've got coverage, so I'm just gonna go to whatever doctor and somebody else. It's it's we're disconnected from the cost realities of the health care, which allows the healthcare costs we don't have those price signals to help keep health care costs in check, which in turn drives the health the price of insurance. It's a vicious cycle. I don't know how we're gonna break it. But we have the commissioner on the line now. Maybe he's got some answers. John, how's it going?
0: Good. Thanks, Rob. I'm sorry there's a little bit of a snafu getting us all connected. But, uh, yeah, we were certainly ready and waiting for you. So we're here now.
1: Okay. Well, sounds good. Uh, We have – the president talked about and I know there's a lot of uncertainty, um, but you you sent out a press release. You like some of the things President Trump was saying about health insurance, correct? Tell us, what did you like hearing?
0: Well, I guess first and foremost, uh, you know, kind of backing up a little bit, uh, prior to Obamacare uh, being implemented, you know, North Dakota's market wasn't necessarily broken. Um, and so when President Trump kind of lays out his plan that he's looking at uh, increasing flexibility to the states, uh, perhaps using some high risk pools to cover some of the, the less healthy in our population, um, you know, those are things that we've done in North Dakota, uh, the high risk pools specifically that we still have operating. Um, and just the fact that they're looking at, again, increasing the flexibility and turning some of this back over to the states is uh, is a great thing for North Dakota because, like I said before, our market necessarily wasn't broken prior to Obamacare. When Obamacare came in, it basically removed competition, uh, increased prices uh, for our consumers. So anything we can do to kind of bring it back to uh, kind of a state-based regulation uh, I think is a great thing for our state. Sure, so I'm, I'm encouraged that. by that.
1: You, you said that you liked um, – some of the things you liked was ensuring that young Americans would be able to continue to remain on uh, their their policies uh, until in, in well into adulthood, age 26, uh, that those with pre existing conditions would continue to have access to coverage. Aren't those things that help drive up the cost of insurance under – I mean, any time you mandate that insurance companies have to expand their coverage, whether it's to a certain type of treatment or – uh, you know, to to cover certain people that fall into certain categories by age or by pre-existing condition. Isn't that part of what drives up the health, the cost of insurance? Why would we want to keep those things?
0: Yeah, well, and I think with the pre-existing conditions, especially when he said, you know, making sure that they have access to coverage of care, uh, I guess I looked at that as uh, expanding those high-risk pools um, that that states can have and North Dakota does have that allows those folks, again, who are uh, you know, some of the the less healthy in our population, are perhaps the sickest of the sick, it moves them into uh, this high risk pool, which is operated in North Dakota, um, and it and it and it gives them a chance to have some coverage. And here in North Dakota, our benefits are, are very rich. Um, uh, so continuing the access, I think maybe doesn't necessarily the, mean the same thing that that I took it as you took it as and continue okay. the mandate. Um, and keeping the kids on until they're 26, I think that's something that everybody's kind of come to uh, appreciate and like. And the reality with, again, with Obamacare was it was supposed to get, you know, coverage for the, the less healthy and those po- those folks with the preexisting condition, give them coverage, but then also incentivize that young, healthy population, that group that traditionally has had a hard time getting into health care or at least you know signing up for it. Um, and really, what it did is it brought the sick into the into the market, and it, and the young people stayed out because they weren't willing to pay the penalty. And I'm not sure how you solve that, and so I think you got to correct it on the back end through the high risk pools that we have in our state. And so, I think you can keep that that 26 year old, uh, you know, mandate if you want. I think everybody's kind of again come to expect that and appreciate that, and and, and utilizes that if that's an option to keep kids in the health care in the in the uh, health insurance market. Um, you know, I think we're okay with that, and it kind of can, will continue that coverage through
1: seven one two nine three nine thousand if you have comments or questions eight eight nine seven zero nine three two nine email talk at wday.com. I'm, I'm shuddering a little bit at calling people who are 25 26 years old kids <laughs> but I guess I guess that's the world we're living in yeah. can you tell us a little bit I mean what has what has the ACA done to insurance in North Dakota I mean we've been living with it now for a number of years do you have some numbers like on premium increases or or anything like that I mean what what impact has it had on North Dakota under the status quo? Well,
0: it's a little bit tough to compare premium the, the actual dollars and cents necessarily. Um we we've definitely seen an increase uh two reasons for that. North Dakota's a prior approval state, so uh the insurance commissioner gets to review and re- review and approve the rates that are that are being submitted to the insurance companies. And also the the plans that are now offered in North Dakota are much different than they were uh you know, pre-Obamacare. Um I would like to think that uh, you know, prior to Obamacare being implemented, we've actually we've actually got some very good grandfather plans. those plans are, are the pre-Obamacare that are very rich and very very uh, well liked by the by the folks in our state. And Obamacare kind of created that race to the bottom. And to me, it actually you actually drop some of your benefits. You actually drop some of your coverage. So you, you end up paying more for worse coverage. Um, But the biggest thing that it did is it took our number of insurance companies operating in our state. I mean, everybody thinks of Blue Cross when you think of health insurance in North Dakota, but prior to Obamacare, we had 13 companies operating in North Dakota. Now we've got three. So, again, what what it did is it drove down those choices and those options that our consumers have, and it really removed the competition because everybody's plan is exactly the same. You can't... You know, if you go to Sanford, if you go to Medica, if you go to Blue Cross, the plans are going to be exactly the same. So there's no, there's no really competition there to compete on. And if you want to have you know, different coverage options for over here versus over there, there's, that competition is gone. Um, so I guess what I, what I would like to see and what I'm encouraged by is uh, the option for North Dakota to have a, a true waiver option to look at if we can reinvent how we do things in North Dakota, whether it's through the healthcare delivery Or through the health insurance marketplace we are we're a small state we're nimble we can we can be a great pilot project um so that's that's the message i've been communicating to congress and uh and i think that's starting to gain a little traction
1: we one thing that we hear a lot when we talk about insurance is that we ought to be able to sell policies across state lines i mean that's at the national level that gets talked about a lot but i in your release you're saying that's not really the, the the silver bullet that people seem to think it is. Why? No. I mean, why, why? Why would you be opposed to that?
0: Well, I, I think that's a classic case of it sounds really good on a, as a talking point, um, but when you dig in the details, it it certainly doesn't make a whole lot of sense for for really anybody. Um, so, first and foremost, uh, we can already do that. Uh, states can enter into compacts with other states to to allow products to be sold across state lines. Uh, some states have done that, um, but there haven't been any companies or any, any policies that have been sold that have taken advantage of that because it just doesn't make sense. When you think think about it like this, I'll, I'll try to simplify it a little bit. Is, you know, If you were to buy your insurance policy from a company based in New York, um, what kind of network do you think they're going to have in North Dakota? Uh, yeah, so a lot of your, your charges come from outside of the network. And if you have an issue with that, with that policy or with that company, um, you're likely going to call my office and I'm going to have to say, you know, sorry, your policy is based in New York, so you're going to have to give the New York commissioner a call and and, I, and I'll wish you well on that. So it, it, it doesn't solve the problems I think that you're looking for. I think you touched on a little bit as I was coming on the air with you, is that the, the real base of this is the cost of receiving health care. Um, and some of the regulations that are surrounded by our providers, by our, by our hospitals in this, in this state, I'll, I'll give one example that I think is, is a ridiculous. Is So if somebody walks into the emergency room with a cold or with a cough, um, no longer are the hospitals able to say, okay, we see you, you're here, you're, you're not in a life-threatening situation, but we're going to send you over the urgent care, which is cost about you know, a sixth of what it would cost to, to operate in the emergency room. We're going to send you over the urgent care. You're going to get the care you need. You're going to get the, the medicine that you may need, um, but it's going to cost us extra, uh, a lot less to deal with it than in the emergency room. They can no longer do that due to federal regulations because you can't ask somebody you know, <laughs> where, where they want to be treated. Uh, so we've, we've got folks in our, in our, uh, I guess, in the world here that in our nation that are treating the emergency rooms as their primary care physicians, and, and our hospitals aren't able to really do much about that. So that's just one of many regulations that our hospitals are facing that, that drive up the cost of health care, and you really can't have a discussion about how do we decrease health insurance prices without having a, co- a discussion about how do we decrease that cost of receiving health care.
1: How do we get to a point, and this is the last question, we only have a couple minutes sure. left, but how do we get to a point... Where we could bring price signals back into this for healthcare, because I got to tell you, I shop for new auto insurance every couple of years, uh, because mm-hmm. you know there's there's a ton of competition—Geico and Progressive and all these different—they are competing for my business all the time, and I take advantage of that. You know, signing mm-hmm. up for new policy every few—I I don't switch every few years, but I review my policy, make sure I'm I'm getting the best value. H- how can we create that situation in in health insurance?
0: Well, I think it, it's, it goes back to re- reducing some of those regulations. I mean, right now, uh, you know, through the ACA and through Obamacare, we've got uh, these essential health benefits and all these different requirements that every plan has to meet. And so, again, by the time you stack up all those different regulations on top of each other, companies are no longer to be competitive, so that it's, it's, it's essentially a race to that bottom. And so they're, they're no longer able to offer different services, whether or not you want to only operate online or you want to only go to this hospital. Or you only want to do do x y and z they're, they're they're unable to be creative which creates that competition which creates those incentives to for people to you know shop around and, and take a look at well maybe I want to go with company x because they're offering a little different service and I like what they're doing over here the regulations that have been placed on not only in the healthcare market but in the health insurance market have stifled that innovation and stifled that creativity uh, so that's what we're seeing i mean you you're seeing kind of that base level increase that go up every year uh, because it compounds upon itself, so I, I think you got to, we got almost kind of start over a little bit, which is what I'm excited about here in North Dakota is is an opportunity to really have a true waiver sense out of whatever is passed, and and you know we're, in, we're we've been in, assured that there's there's going to be a waiver process for states like us who want to be innovative and want to be creative uh, to take a look at, and so it's we we've, we've got a long ways to go. Um, we're not going to see uh, really any big change, I don't think, until. Uh, probably the fall. By the time they get uh, get through some of the work they've got to do in Congress, but uh, it's it's moving fast but slow, I guess I'll say. And we're excited.
1: Well, Mr. Commissioner, thank you for your time. And and certainly, I a lot of people looking yep. to see what's going to come out of this because this Absolutely. touches just about everybody. Thanks for your time. Appreciate
0: it. Any, anytime, Rob. Thank you.
1: More coming up. We'll uh, wrap the show up right after this. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Don't go away.
2: so
1: Roger emails he says sorry about that Rob Roger was a guy who uh, emailed earlier in a teal and said I shouldn't should tell you to uh stay out of the conservative zone oh you keep your liberalism to earlier in the day
2: it's infectious
1: <laughs> My cash <solving>. maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's the disease like that- creamer was talking about me oh, hey now well let's not open that bucket of worms all right uh yeah roger says sorry i just get so tired of seven hours of liberal local radio every morning your show and jay's are a breath of fresh air uh yeah well I, you know well that's listen, quite nice I, I, for I,
2: you isn't it
1: <laughs> why well, i think well yeah i mean i appreciate that and but listen listen to those earlier shows too it's important to understand what the other side is saying and understand their arguments you don't have to agree with them but you should engage with them, and I honestly, I think that's the strength of WDAYs. We got a lot of different viewpoints. I think you get a better overall product from this station because we have a lot of different points of view going on. And even even Jay and I, uh, although we're, I I think it would probably be fair to say we're both probably on the political right. We are definitely right of center. Uh, we come from two, two different perspectives from that right of center thing. So I uh, listen. This this radio station has a lot of intelligent people who are advocating points of view, some of them contrary to one another, and that's a good thing. That makes for a good overall product. Uh, Let's see, coming up on Jay's show, speaking of him, uh, Commissioner Dave Pepcorn is coming up right away at 2 o'clock. He's going to talk about allowing beer sales at the Fargo Dome for Bison Games because of the state budget cuts to NDSU Athletics. Uh, Also, Fargo School Board President Linda Boyd at 3 on the upcoming school mill levy vote. Tune in for that on Jay's show. Uh, Thanks for listening. Remember, you can always catch me here 1 to 2 p.m., Monday through Friday, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. We're going to have on uh, three-affiliated tribes chairman Mark Fox to talk about House Majority Leader Al Carlson's uh, call for state-run casinos. I have a feeling the uh, Indian tribes have a few things to say about that. That coming up tomorrow. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. I'm at a party. There's people throwing drinks and screaming, telling me that I don't belong.